This is episode 643 of the AWS podcast, released on November 30th, 2023. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lee with you. Great to have you back for our final episode of reInvent 2023. And what a ride. It's been lots of cool updates. Hope you've got plenty of things to be getting on with. And of course, we had Werner Vogel's keynote today, and I'm going to cover some of the highlights that are in that. I highly recommend you watch it though, because he does talk a lot about the philosophy of how to build systems, how to be frugal with systems, intelligent architectural decisions you can make. So there's a lot of value in watching the keynote. But he also talked about some really interesting new services that are available and ways you can use them. So we're going to cover them here today. So let's talk first about availability. And the ability to prove your availability is fundamental to anything, and it's not always so easy. So we're happy to announce that the AWS Fault Injection Service, or FIS, now allows you to demonstrate multi-region and multi-AZ application resilience. And I know this is going to be very exciting for a lot of customers who have wanted to do this for a while and have done it themselves for different techniques. But FIS is launching new scenarios that will let you demonstrate that your applications perform as intended if an AWS availability zone experiences a full power interruption or connectivity from one AWS region to another is lost. And you can use the scenarios to conduct experiments that will build confidence that your application works as expected when something goes wrong. And it could also help you understand any direct or indirect dependencies and also test your recovery time. And after you've done this testing, these results can also be part of the input into your compliance processes that you may go through in your particular industry. So let's dive into a little bit of detail about each of the scenarios. So the AZ availability power interruption scenario temporarily pulls the plug. Now, hopefully in my voice, you could hear me doing the air quotes around pulls the plug, but it basically pulls the plug on a targeted set of your resources in a single availability zone, including EC2 instances, including those in EKS and ECS clusters, EBS volumes, autoscaling groups, VPC subnets, Amazon Elastocache for Redis clusters, and RDS clusters. In most cases, you'll run it on an application that has resources, hopefully in more than one availability zone, but you can run it on a single AZ app with the outage as an expected outcome. It targets a single AZ and allows you to disallow a specified set of IAM roles or autoscaling groups from being able to launch fresh instances or start stopped instances during the experiment. The next scenario is cross-region connectivity. Now, this scenario prevents your application in a test region from being able to access resources in a target region. Again, this includes traffic from EC2 instances, ECS tasks, EKS pods, and Lambda functions attached to a VPC. It also includes traffic flowing across transit gateways and VPC peering connections, as well as cross-region S3 and DynamoDB replication. Now, the scenario runs for quite a long time. In fact, the default runs for three hours and it isolates the test region from the target region in the specified ways, but you can also control a whole bunch of the capabilities there too. Now, these new scenarios are available in all commercial AWS regions where FIS is available at no additional cost. And when you run experiments, you just pay for the action minutes consumed by the experiments that you run. Now, it is now called the AWS Fault Injection Service. Uh, It used to be called the Fault Injection Simulator, but it's so much more than that. Now, another option available to you now in terms of your availability profile is a new capability of Amazon Route 53 Application Recovery Controller 
that allows you to do what's called zonal auto shift. So it enables you to automatically and safely shift your workload's traffic away from an availability zone when AWS identifies a potential failure affecting that availability zone and shift it back once the failure is resolved. So when you deploy resilient applications, you typically deploy them across multiple availability zones in a region. If you don't, naughty, naughty, because you should. And as you know, availability zones are distinct groups of physical data centers at a meaningful distance apart, typically many miles, uh, to make sure that you have diverse power, connectivity, network devices, and floodplains. Now, to help protect you against an application's error, like a failed deployment or an error of configuration or an operator error, last year we introduced the ability to manually or programmatically trigger a zonal shift. Now, this enables you to shift the traffic away from one availability zone when you observe degraded metrics in that zone. And it does so by configuring your load balancer to direct all new connections to infrastructure in healthy availability zones only. So this allows you to preserve your application's availability for your customers whilst you investigate the root cause of failure. Once fixed, you stop the zonal shift and you distribute evenly again. So now you can configure zonal auto shift to protect your workloads against potential failure in any availability zone. And we use our own AWS internal monitoring tools and metrics to decide when to trigger a network traffic shift. The shift starts automatically. There's no API to call. When we detect that a zone has a potential failure like a power or network disruption, we automatically trigger an auto shift of your infrastructure's NLB or ALB traffic and we shift the traffic back when a failure is resolved. Now, obviously, shifting traffic away from an availability zone is a delicate operation. It's got to be carefully prepared. So we built a series of safeguards to ensure we don't degrade your application availability by accident. First, we have internal controls to ensure we shift traffic away from no more than one availability zone at a time. Second, we practice the shift on your infrastructure for 30 minutes every week. Now, you can define blocks of time where you don't want the practice to happen. For example, you know, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. And thirdly, you can define two Amazon CloudWatch alarms to act as a circuit breaker during the practice run. One alarm to prevent starting the practice run at all and one alarm to monitor application health during the practice run. When either alarm triggers during the practice run, we stop it to restore traffic to all availability zones, and the state of the application health alarm at the end of the practice run indicates its outcome, success or failure. Now, of course, along with the principle of the shared responsibility model, you have some responsibilities as well. You have to make sure there's enough capacity in all the availability zones so that when you shift the traffic, it will still work. And secondly, you must explicitly enable zonal auto shift for the resources you choose because we're only going to apply zonal auto shift to the resources that you specifically specify. And this is available at no additional cost in all AWS regions except for China and GovCloud. Now, we recommend applying the crawl, walk, run methodology. So get started with manual zonal shifts to get confidence in your application. Then turn on zonal auto shift with practice runs outside your business hours and finally go the whole shebang. So with availability, it tends to come a discussion of observability. How can I see what my application is doing? And so we now have a new capability available in preview called Amazon CloudWatch Application Signals. Now, this is designed to solve some of the challenges with big distributed systems that are made up of many interdependent services. It can be hard to monitor everything and see everything. Amazon CloudWatch Application Signals helps you automatically instrument applications based on best practices for application performance. There's no manual effort, 
no custom code and no custom dashboards. You get a pre-built standardized dashboard showing the most important metrics like volume of requests, availability, latency, and more for the performance of your application. Also, you can define service level objectives or SLOs on your applications to monitor specific operations that matter most to your business. So an example could be uh, a goal that a web page should render within 2000 milliseconds, 99.9% of the time on a rolling 28 day interval. Application signals automatically correlates telemetry across metrics, traces, logs, real user monitoring and synthetic monitoring to speed up troubleshooting and reduce disruption. And it gives you this really integrated experience so you can just focus on getting things sorted out. The other part is that you can also have a lot of team collaboration around the information so you can work together with other teams that may have issues that are affecting your particular system. It's a great solution. It's worth having a look at. It's very visual, so difficult to describe to you on the podcast, but it is available in preview and you can start using it now in North Virginia, Ohio, Oregon, Ireland, Sydney, and Tokyo regions. Now, again, as you have a proliferation of applications, managing them at scale can sometimes be a challenge. There is now the new My Applications capability in the AWS Management Console to make it easy for you to manage all of your applications. This means you can more easily manage the cost, the health, the security posture, and the performance of your applications. The experience is available in the console home, and you can access an applications widget that lists the applications in an account. And you can create your applications more easily using the create application wizard, which will connect resources in your AWS account from one view in the console. And that will then display in the my Applications section, and you can take actions on your applications. And so you get an at-a-glance view of key application metrics in the dashboard. You can find, debug operational issues, and you can optimize your applications as well. Again, this is a very visual experience. It doesn't lend itself to a, a podcast, so it's worth having a look. Uh, you can get up and running on this in uh, US East, Ohio, and North Virginia, US West, North California, Oregon, Sao Paulo, Hyderabad, Jakarta, Mumbai, Osaka, Seoul, Singapore, Sydney, Tokyo, Frankfurt, Ireland, London, Paris, Stockholm, and Bahrain regions as well. Also, some of our AWS Premier Tier Services partner, including Escala 24-7, IBM, Tech Mahindra, and Zebia, will support application operations with complementary features and services. And now let's talk a bit about the developer experience. And there is a new IDE extension for AWS Application Composer that enhances visual modern applications development with AI-generated infrastructure as code. Now, we did a deep dive about AWS Application Composer a little while ago. And you know, this is a service that was announced in preview at reInvent last year and has been generally available since March of 2023. And if you don't remember or you didn't listen to that particular episode, Application Composer is a visual builder that makes it easy for developers to visualize, design, and iterate on an application architecture by dragging, grouping, and connecting AWS services on a visual canvas. Application Composer is a visual builder that makes it easier for developers to visualize, design, and iterate on an application architecture by dragging, grouping, and connecting AWS services on a visual canvas. And basically, it makes it easy to drag and drop and create infrastructure as code templates in real time. And it also lets you work with AWS CloudFormation resources as well. Now, the IDE extension for AWS Application Composer gives you that same drag and drop experience and functionality that it has in the console, but it will be inside your IDE. 
So you can use the various tools available in your IDE. So for example, you can seamlessly integrate IAC templates generated real time by Application Composer with the AWS serverless application model to manage and deploy serverless applications. You can also create generative AI powered code suggestions in the CloudFormation template in real time while visualizing the application architecture in the split view. You can pair and synchronize Application Composer's visualization and CloudFormation template editing side-by-side side in the IDE, so no context switching between the two, and it really minimizes the hand coding, et cetera. Um, it's really, really cool. In fact, it exactly solves a problem I am going to be building for shortly, so I'm going to be installing it into my uh, Visual Studio Code using the AWS Toolkit for Visual Studio Code plugin and get running with it because it looks really, really powerful and makes life easy. Now, at launch, this new capability will be available for Visual Studio Code, and the IDE extension for AWS Application Composer is available at no charge. Now, speaking of IDEs, they all depend on what your context is, what the work it is you're doing. There is now a new capability called Code Editor based on Code OSS VS Code open source available in Amazon SageMaker Studio. So this is the new integrated development environment or IDE option for Amazon SageMaker Studio. Now, Code Editor is based on Code OSS, which is Visual Studio Code open source, and provides access to the very familiar environments, the pop, that popular ID that you'll see and love. And Code Editor allows you to choose from thousands of VS Code compatible extensions that are available in the OpenVSX extension gallery, which means you can really improve your developer experience. And you can also improve your team's productivity by integration into AWS services using the AWS toolkit for Visual Studio Code. This includes things like Amazon Code Whisperer. So some of the things you get when using Code Editor, you get fully managed infrastructure. So the Code Editor ID runs on fully managed infrastructure. Amazon SageMaker takes care of keeping instances up to date with running the latest security patches and upgrades. You can dial resources up and down. So with Code Editor, you can seamlessly change the underlying resources like instance type and EBS volume type on which Code Editor is running. So this is useful when you have workloads that have different needs. You are having access to SageMaker provided images. So it's pre-configured with the SageMaker distribution as the default image. And the container image has all the most popular ML frameworks supported by SageMaker, along with things like the SageMaker Python SDK, Bodo 3, and other AWS and data science specific libraries already up and running. It also, as I mentioned, has Amazon Code Whisperer integration. So you get generative AI capabilities to, off the bat. And it has integration with other AWS services. You get native integration with S3, with the Elastic Container Registry, with Redshift, with CloudWatch, and a whole lot more. And Code Editor is available in all AWS regions where Amazon SageMaker Studio is available except for GovCloud. And you only pay for the underlying compute and storage resources within SageMaker or other AWS services based on your usage. And last but not least, let's talk a bit about efficiency. And in the keynote, Verna talked a lot about frugality and architecture frugality. And I've been talking a lot about cost-based architectures. In fact, back in 2016, there is a reInvent presentation I did on that very topic. And we continue to build upon those concepts each and every year. And what we're happy to share with you is we can reduce model deployment costs by 50% on average using the latest features of Amazon SageMaker. So obviously, as organizations deploy models into production, they want to optimize the performance of their foundation models and they want to run the latest accelerators like AWS Inferentia and GPUs so they can reduce the costs of running these models, but also decrease the response latency to get great performance for their end users. 
However, some foundation models don't fully utilize the accelerators available with the instances they're deployed on, which can lead to inefficient use of hardware resources. And some organizations deploy multiple foundation models to the same instance to better utilize all the available accelerators, but now you've got a complex infrastructure or organization task and orchestration task that's just time consuming and hard to do. When multiple foundation models share the same instance, each foundation model has its own scaling needs and usage patterns, which means it's difficult to predict when you need to add or remove instances. So for example, one model could be used to power a user application where usage can spike during certain hours, whereas another model may have a more consistent usage pattern. And of course, you want to continuously reduce latency for your end user experience. So often users will deploy multiple copies of a foundation model to field requests from users in parallel. And because foundation model outputs could range from a single sentence to multiple paragraphs, the time it takes to complete the inference request varies significantly. So now you've got spikes in latency, depending on where things are added to. It's all fun and games. You can now create inference component-based endpoints and deploy machine learning models to a SageMaker endpoint. So an inference component abstracts your ML model and enables you to assign CPUs, GPU, or AWS neuron accelerators and scaling policies per model. So this gives you the following benefits. Firstly, SageMaker will optimally place and pack models onto your ML instances to maximize utilization, so you get cost savings for that. It will also scale each model up and down based upon your configuration to meet your requirements. And it will scale to add and remove instances dynamically to ensure capacity is available while keeping idle compute to a minimum. And you can scale down to zero copies of a model to free up resources for other models. And you can also specify to keep important models always loaded and ready to serve traffic. So typically by using this approach, you can reduce your model deployment cost by about 50%. Now, there's a lot more into this. Jump into the blog post about this. It's, it's really interesting how it all works. But essentially, if you think about our old friend, the undifferentiated heavy lifting of IT, bin packing of, of workloads, load balancing, all the stuff that's really, really hard, this makes it so much easier. And it's a great win because you're improving customer experience and you're also reducing costs. And in my experience, that's what people want to hear about. So that's it. That's reinvent 2023 i hope there was something there for you it's been a big week i know everyone sort of tends to absorb things slowly over time as i mentioned we'll be doing a lot of deep dive episodes over the coming months into some of the new services and new capabilities that we talked about so you'll really be able to get your teeth into it and of course until next time keep on building